The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Everybody, welcome to this divisional round edition of a good football show. I am Patrick Hardy, joined today by Danny Carter. We're going to recap Monday evening's Rams Cardinals blowout. Take a spin through this week's news. Conduct a post mortem of zero RB in 2021. Denny has it written into his contract that doesn't exist that we had <laughs> RB every single offseason show. So we're going to get that going today. It's true. We will ever also ever so briefly. Take a, an initial look at this weekend's division round games ahead of our full preview on Thursday with myself, Denny, Matt Straub, and John Daigle. Yeah, I, I don't have a prompt. Do you, have, do you have any thoughts on anything today? Anything in the world bothering you? A horrible take on anything today? Oh, man. I have some takes. Uh, you know, whether, whether they're appropriate for the show, I, I don't know. But uh, if we're going to stick to football, uh, one thing, something you tweeted last night. Aaron Donald choked a guy again. He did. He likes to choke people. I've noticed. <laughs> and the refs seemed perfectly fine with it. I, I don't understand what's going on there. That was strange. I don't understand. It seemed like he instigated the whole thing too. Like at first I thought maybe Humphreys was like pulling his face mask. I was like, no, actually Aaron Donald was pulling his face mask. And then he started choking him. <laughs> so, uh, like, I, I don't know, earlier this season, I don't know how many, a month ago, six months ago, who, who's to say, uh, Aaron Donald legitimately tried to rip out the throat of a, of a Green Bay Packers offensive lineman. Um, That's McGruber's move, the throat rip. Yeah, he, he, he and I, I don't mean that he had his hand around the neck, he had his hand around the throat his and was, try, was, was with the trachea and was trying to, and was pulling, like, mm-hmm. um, like, like Dalton in Roadhouse. Interesting. Yeah, we don't want anyone's tracheas being removed during the NFL. That would maybe put a damper on the NFL postseason well, let, let's, if anyone let's, lost a trachea. Let, let, I mean, let's review what what his ta- his tactics. So Aaron Donald got mad. He he tried to choke the guy. He tried to rake his eyes out. He tried to. Uh, what what was the other thing? Uh, there was there was a third thing he tried to do. It was it was it was all it was all a little too much, and I felt like I felt like his teammates his teammates were like get this Cardinals guy away from Aaron yeah, because uh, we're afraid we're afraid. But yeah, I mean, I guess I, I mean he should have been ejected. There's no doubt. But I guess I also appreciate the NFL understanding that I'm here to watch the playoffs, and I don't want Aaron Donald ejected from this game. But it was quite surprising that he were not ejected and you have to feel like if he was like a rotational run stuffer, he would have oh. been immediately ejected. Absolutely. But, <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you don't get away with that. If you're, yeah. You know, like, yes, chatting's worth right. and your 
only in on 33% of the snaps to stop the run. Yeah, if you were activated from the practice squad 24 hours before the game, uh, <laughs> you, you, you're you out of there. Uh, furthermore, you're cut the next day. Yeah, so that would have been the kind of thing where Sean McVay like, ran on the field to like, you know, throw, like, shove him out of there, you know, that kind That's of thing right. when they That's do right. that. But yeah, Aaron Donald, everyone's just kind of like, please, sir, calm down. And the refs are like, please, sir, like, only two more strikes and you might have to. Uh, get you ejected from this ball game, and uh, <laughs> yes. that was that was definitely strange. Aaron Donald may want to take a chill pill. For the uh, yeah, I mean, it 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 needs to come down a lot. It, is weird. it seems like people are always yeah. attacking him. Like you know, in real life, it seems like he gets like attacked a lot in like parking lots and like clubs. Like people are always want like a piece of Aaron Donald, so maybe he's just tired of it. That's but. that's another. That's what came to mind last night. Um, the validity of the stories. I know. I, I, I was thinking know. about the same thing. Like, well, maybe Aaron Donald is actually just instigating some stuff. I mean, you see, you see him on the field, and then you're, oh, well, I don't know. It's um, it, my it, interpretation it, is that people always want to come at the king, Aaron Donald, and then he's sick of it, and he might start. Joking. I guess. I guess. But yeah, that was interesting. I felt, yeah, interesting referee. A lot of interesting refereeing all weekend long from our NFL official. It's a tough job, but and they're probably actually way better than they used to be, but. Boy, they could sure be a lot, a lot better still. You know, I actually, while we're on the ref thing, uh, you you tweeted on Saturday that the Tyler Boyd touchdown absolutely should not have counted. Yeah, and like I sort of agree with like the talking point that it didn't affect the play, like whatever. But I mean, like the rule is very clear; it should not have counted. And I, I was also just mystified there the whole day because it seemed like even Tyler Boyd gave up on the play. Yes, like like even he gave up on the play. And that was just egregious and uh, yeah, it should have not counted. And may, you know, maybe it didn't like really affect the game. Maybe it was going to be a touchdown regardless, but like the rules, like black, well, there's no like catch rule, like murkiness there. It was like, the rule is very clear. And if the whistle blows, the play is dead and replayed. And it just didn't do that. And the touch, if Tyler Boyd clearly thought the play did not count. Maybe he didn't think that when he jumped. By the time he came down in the end zone, though, he was like, all right, darn, the touchdown doesn't count. Play is dead. And he didn't celebrate at all. You know, rather unusual to not celebrate a postseason touchdown. It's a, he, didn't, the, he didn't think it counted. The body language gave it away, um, not not just from him, but from the defenders as well. I don't think the defenders would not would have stopped the play, but still, I mean, you could see their their shoulders slump. They were, they were done with the play because – the whistle blew. I mean, what but what you're trying to do, Pat, is you're trying to take away the only good play the Bengals had in that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good I mean, but yeah. I, I understand the, the talking point that yeah, they were they weren't gonna stop it anyway, but uh, the rule could not be more clear. It was very black and white matter. Uh, what was also black and white, Denny, is that the Cardinals looked like an expansion team in Los Angeles on Monday evening. They entered halftime with almost almost literally zero yards. And a 21 to nothing deficit. It didn't get much better after the break, a 34 to 11 loss. And the question I just kept coming back to, not just this game, but really down the stretch, the Cardinals was like, what was the plan exactly? What is the offensive design for this team? There's no coherent approach or philosophy. And man, it's because DeAndre Hopkins got hurt and so many other people were banging down the stretch that it was just impossible to get like a game, like a normal weekly game plan install, but like that doesn't hold up. Like you're in the NFL, you got to figure out I've, scheming around injuries is part of the game. And the Cardinals just seem like they're running around chickens with their heads cut off basically. And 
we can't fully absolve Kyler Murray. He looked very rattled. But the Cliff Kingsbury era has run its course, has it not, Denny? It seems so. You know, uh, when, when you're down three scores in the first half and you're throwing consecutive wide receiver screens, bubble screens, you know, that, that, there's something deeply wrong with that, especially when you have Kyler Murray as your quarterback, as you have, you know, you, you have capable pass catchers and in, in Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore, you know, Antoine Wesley, who is C- Cliff Kingsbury's favorite guy in the world. It, you, you, you have, you have all these, you know, you have potential weapons and, and you're, and you're, and you're running this offense that's designed what to gain what five, six, seven yards at a time. Like if, if the screen, if the bubble screen works, it just doesn't make that horizontal raid nonsense is just, it's just the worst, especially when you get down, how can you come back with that? You can't like, that is the thing. Anytime the Cardinals have gotten down really the entirety of the cliff Kingsbury era, they go so horizontal. It's like, seriously, that's like the only word to describe it is horizontal. And not that they're not kind of horizontal when like the good times are rolling, but like that's like his fallback though. Like when he doesn't know what to do, he just makes the offense basically like it's Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers and everything is within two yards of the line of scrimmage, either behind it or ahead of it. And that just can't like, where were the designed runs for Kyler Murray last night? Like where were like the actual sensible like like pressure valve release targets like may I don't know, maybe just target Zach Ertz two or three times seven or eight yards down the field like get some like true layups this just totally incoherent and bad like you said like like it was like the classic DFS thing like what do you win when you win yeah like okay like what do you even get like you're completed this two yard pass I mean congratulations like what what what's what what game are you playing here and Kyler was you know, so rattled. Like yeah. Kyler seemed to be like genuinely rattled. Like why in the world is Kyler Murray like like the Bills did with Josh Allen? Like get him out there and run. Like it's the playoffs. I know you don't want him to get hurt. You want him to take unnecessary hits. But, like they had to do something to interrupt the flow. And yeah. he just had no answers. And it was just so hard to watch. I think you can tell. You could tell the level of uh, of, of Murray's you know rattledness, um, discombobulation on short throws. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. There were were several first half, just easy dump offs where he he's, he's throwing it, you know, throwing like a rifle at the guy's head. Um, No touch, like um, just seemingly uh, out of sorts in every possible way. And it it culminates with that, you know, pick six, which may be the worst decision I've ever seen in football. I don't know if it was quite as bad as the Carson Wentz one, but the problem is that it was in the same family. And, like, you never want to be in the same family of any of the hilarious Carson Wentz. Does that, I, mean, I, I could see the argument that it was worse than the Carson Wentz pick six from earlier. So to Google that, by the way, if you haven't, yeah. if you haven't seen that. Because, uh, I mean, what was that like an underhand flip from yeah. Tyler? Like, so he just, it, like, it, he, like, rolled it out of his hand. Like, he is like he was, like, yeah. doing – like a Will Ferrell, like dumb impression of like, uh, I'm a horrible quarterback. And he just it, like underhand flipped the ball. It, it really does a lot to boost my argument that quarterbacks and running backs to an extent do too much to avoid a safety. Just take the safety. I know, sometimes. I know. You know, it's not but like, you, I don't know if you heard, it's two points. <laughs> two points. So, you know, you, you, you take the safety instead of making a back breaking decision you just take the safety you don't need to do all this stuff um you know we obviously we see uh quarterbacks throw the ball away and get called for grounding 
and 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 then you know get the safety anyway just honestly sometimes just take the safety and move on and and murray was not was not willing to do that he was willing to do literally anything to avoid it yeah it would have still been a two score game with the safety the pick six though made it 21 nothing and it was funny i was texting with my friend before that i was like i mean i i i, I said i know for a fact they're about to get called for holding and a safety in the end zone. Like things were trending so yeah. bad. I'm like, there's going to be a safety. It's going to be a clear and obvious hold. I was not prepared for the worst pick six of the entire season. Nine Carson wins. Right. Right. It, it, well, the, the whole thing felt catastrophic from, from the start. Like it, it, the, the game had a feel of, will the Cardinals be able to survive this onslaught? Um, which, which honestly, I didn't expect coming into the game, considering how well the Cardinals played the Rams this season. But wow! In the, the first game, they played the Rams very poorly. In their second game, I will say, but they they had, they had a very questionable season. Where like they demolished the Rams the first time they played, like you said, and the Rams kind of returned the favor in the second game. But uh, that's you don't right. expect any playoff team to look. I mean, this, I think like kind of from the opening whistle, the question was, are the Cardinals going to score? Like that's how bad it looked. Or just like yeah. no confidence, no game plan, just nothing, just nothing for anything. That, that was the Cardinals last night. Nothing for anything. Uh, um, you know, uh, j- just as far as, you know, measuring Cliff Kingsbury's offense down the stretch uh, overall on the season, the Cardinals had the ninth highest expected points added per play on offense over the final four weeks of the regular season that dropped to 16th, which is a pretty significant uh, fall and, and way below where they were for the season's first month, which was in elite territory. So uh, the, the, pro- the productivity of that offense just fell off a cliff in the, in the, fi- I, and I, that's not, I didn't even mean that as a joke, <laughs> like, I, like, but it did f- fell off a cliff uh, in the season's final month. Well, it did, and it coincided with DeAndre Hopkins's injury, but the weird thing is, is that the first time he was injured, it didn't. Like, they weathered his first, like, pretty lengthy injury absence, like, almost flawlessly. I was like, wow. Like, they just – like, not that I thought, like, DeAndre Hopkins didn't mean anything to the Cardinals' offense or anything like that, but I was, like, surprised by how smooth they kept the operation during DeAndre's first absence and the second one. It was just like, yeah, it was – he it was noticeable the second time around and where everything just started going south. You know, Antoine Wesley's getting nine targets per game. But we had still seen nothing like that performance we got on Monday. And yet, Cliff, I just – Kyler Murray, like, clearly – he's, like, near – like, Kyler Murray is, like, almost there of, like, true weekly elite status, like, top-tier franchise quarterback. But, like, it seems like he just needs a little – he needs one final push from a different – like, I think he's accomplished all he can accomplish in this offense. Oh, yeah. And that he needs a new voice – he needs someone else to put him over the top. Again, not to absolve Kyler Murray, but like he's he's just so 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 close. And you can just tell like with the right pair, he did, not even just like the perfect coach pairing, just a better coach pairing. He will be ready to just go fully nuclear and finally be like at his top one percentile outcome. But it's just it's not Cliff, man. It's not Cliff. Well, th- th- this would prove my dad wrong. My dad last night called me to tell me that. This this Tyler kid, Tyler, this Tyler kid's too short. Can't do it. So we're he's, we're hoping he's, we're hoping he's not. He's on the short side. He is on the short. And sometimes it seems like when he's rattled, yeah, like almost he like is like running like out of the pocket so he can like see over the linemen. 
But uh, I think he's been proven that he is tall, indeed tall. So I have a I have a question about Kyler Murray. Just while we're on this topic, and and this might this this is going to sound dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is Kyler Murray fast, or does he just move his legs really quickly? <sighs> I don't know. He does get caught. He does get like mowed down from right. behind more often than you think. He might have some like Russell Wilson going on there. Where Russell Wilson actually never really looked fast. Kyler does look very fast. But I mean, he's had some I mean, injuries. I, maybe he's already losing a gear because I've noticed that too. His his feet move very fast. I have to give that to him. You know, I've never seen feet move that quickly, except for maybe Keith Byers, the old Eagles and Dolphins running back from the nineties. Uh, but but uh, I see linebackers and defensive linemen chase him down on a regular basis, and I I don't get it. I, don't I know he does get cha- he gets mowed down. Yeah, that's how I would describe. It. And there was one play in particular last night. I'm like, all right, this is like a forty yard run. And he just got run down, and that was that was. Weird. I think we're probably thinking of the same play. I think. Or was like, how did he not get free of the defense there? I, I mean, you 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 watch you watch other you know you watch Lamar Jackson who's like effortless effortlessly outruns everybody on the field all the time. Josh Allen has those long strides where he it doesn't even look like he's trying, but somehow he's outrunning everybody. Um, oh, even Justin Herbert, you know, just like is deceptively like he just takes off and he's like a rocket. But Kyler Murray c- gets out of the pocket and and yeah, I often yeah, he looks that, very fast and then he gets tackled. This is this is not just from last night. I often think watching Kyler Murray, oh my goodness, this is going to be a, 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 a sixty yard touchdown, and it's and it's a four yard game. And, yes, and by the way, the ultimate deceptive speed is Patrick Mahomes. Like this guy does not look fast, and yet he somehow never gets tackled ever. And I, it is the most uh, unexplainable phenomenon in in football today: the fact that Patrick Mahomes runs like a dad and is never caught. He's just so crafty. I tweeted recently, like he would never get tagged out in a baseball rundown. Like no. there's just something. Everything he does, you know, the way he throws the ball, the way he plays quarterback, is so unorthodox and crafty. And he's the same way. It helps to have a Howard serve an arm, of course, but he's the same way as a runner. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense, but you you can't catch him basically. Yeah. He, I mean, he so Mahomes doesn't even look particularly athletic. He wears that that huge thing around his yeah. middle section. Oh, sorry <laughs> yeah. for my dog, but yeah, the the huge padding around his middle section. Like he 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 looks like Ben Roethlisberger at times, but he takes off and and, and no one catches him. I, I I wanted to make it a comparison though about about a baseball a crafty baseball runner. Would you say, and maybe I'm off base here, you're the baseball knower, would you say that Mahomes has some Derek Jeter in him? No, no, because he's a – unlike Jeter, he actually does still have like some – not that Jeter was a bad athlete, but Derek, Patrick Mahomes is like – in baseball scouting parlance, Pat Mahomes has some 80s in him. 80 is the highest you can get on the baseball scout. Like Patrick Mahomes has an 80 arm. Derek Jeter wasn't like 80 in anything. Okay. Mahomes has got some 80s. So, yeah, Cl- uh, Derek Jeter is not a great comparison to me. I'm sorry yeah. I canceled. On the other – for so for the Cardinals, not on the other side of the ball yet. Beyond Kyler and Cliff, the Cardinals have just a ton of questions on offense this offseason. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, and Zach Ertz are all bound for free agency. You know, this is DeAndre Hopkins is about to turn 30 years old. Who amongst that group, Danny, do you think they should prioritize resigning? I mean, if if Kingsbury is is around, and I, I would guess that he will be, then I think that Ertz is is very likely to come back. Uh, he he seems to be a, a perfect fit for what Kingsbury wants to do, which is check down six yards 
at a time and, and move the ball that way. And, and that's, and that's Zach Ertz to a T and always has been, you know, and uh, you know, Zach Ertz's game hasn't changed at all from when he was 24 years old. Like he's always done the same thing. And that, that means that a guy like that can have longevity. Like we saw with Jason Witten and, and I'm, I'm talking more in terms of statistical output and, and fantasy performance. So I, I would be really surprised if they let him get away. Yeah. I actually don't think they should either. Cause Cliff, so it's weird. Cliff, I don't know if you even remember this talking point. He had a narrative when he entered the NFL of that he didn't target tight ends. They had a year at Texas Tech, an entire season, where I think they had like three tight end targets the entire oh. year. It's like this was a meme. Like Cliff just doesn't target tight ends. And then his first year, I don't even remember who their tight ends were. They had like oh. no good tight ends, so they weren't targeting them. But it's become a progressively bigger part of the offense. And like Zach Ertz, like, just felt like, a perfect fit this year. And Zacherts also just looked physically rejuvenated. I think tight end is such a physical position that in 2020, when Zacherts was looking kind of done, he must have just clearly been playing for like two or three injuries because kind of like Gronk this year, like he looked like rejuvenated on his physical form from last season. It looked like a guy that has several seasons left. And like you saw, like Jason Witten, even if he like loses a bit of it, he's just so reliable over the middle of the field with his hands. And I actually do think that they should prioritize resigning Zach Ertz. And I think they should let AJ Green walk. I mean, AJ Green, he averaged like 15 yards per catch this year. He actually had like his most productive downfield season and quite a lot. He also stayed healthy for the first time since like George Bush was president. Uh, it had been a while for AJ Green. But like, it just seemed like replacement. It seemed more like the position than the player, basically. I mean, maybe I'm being disrespectful to AJ Green, but. Like he was an upgrade on what they had had in like their number two or three receiver spot these past years where they didn't have much receiver depth. But like when I was AJ Green, I was like, wow, like, you know, this position might actually work in this offense, like kind of like the deep shot specialist, but it just needs to be someone with more left in the tank than AJ Green. And I think, yeah, they should. I don't know what they should do with Christian Kirk. I, Christian Kirk is going to be a fascinating free agency case. I just feel like I have no grip on him at all as a player. I, I am stunned that he, that he didn't step up more and, and wasn't more of a factor down the stretch. I, I really, really was bullish on him at when Hopkins went on IR. Um, I, I guess I, I either underestimated the way the, the team thinks of him or just his place in the pecking order. Um, maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't really fit the offense. I know that they've kind of rotated him like, like pure slot guy, pure out boundary guy. Like they've tried, they've, they've moved him around the offense to try to, uh, you know, tr- you try to get him involved in, in, in some way, but it really never, never worked out. I, I mean, as a player, I like him a lot. I think I, you know, I'll continue to be bullish on him if he gets out of Arizona, if he stays there, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that he's going to, you know, become like a wide receiver, like a solid wide receiver too. there. He's just the kind of player. He always leaves you wanting a little more and like, not in a good way. And I just, it's pretty clear at this point, like he's probably never going to be anyone's number one wide receiver. No, And it's, it's just, it's hard to really be that excited about wherever he ends up in fantasy. It's, it's going to be as a number two or three, basically like Christian Kirk's dynasty moment has kind of come and gone. I mean, I'm not breaking news to anybody, but it doesn't seem like there's another gear basically in Christian Kirk's game. And I don't think he's someone like he goes somewhere else like, Oh, he's going to be unlocked like that kind of thing. Like he just needs to get away from me getting away from Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I'm sure that will be nice uh, for some people, but 
like Christian Kirk has, yeah, he, I think it's safe to say at this point, after four years, he's not the kind of player like it's just going to take the right offense to like find this final gear. And I think he's just kind of a yeah. classic, like he is what he is player. At this point. Uh, yeah. And another thing about Kirk is that um, with, with opposing defenses, shifting coverage and leaning coverage toward DeAndre Hopkins over the year, over the last two years in Arizona, Christian Kirk still really was not a thing like a, like a, like a real weekly thing for fantasy. And if, if that's the case, like I, I, that's what I thought in 2020, you know, well, with teams absolutely dead focused on taking away new Hopkins, Kirk's going to have to be something. And, and it, it didn't happen. So I'm with you. I'm with you. I, we, we are Walter Cronkite uh, breaking news that Christian Kirk's yeah. dynasty value is, is not good going forward. Not, yeah. He's going to be 26 too. He's not going to be particularly young. I mean, he's not like super old, but he, he wasn't like a young guy into the NFL or anything. So it'd be kind of on the older side for someone getting their second contract. And yeah, it just doesn't, it seems like he's a good NFL player and that's just what he's going to be as a good NFL player. There's not another step for him to take in his career. Yeah. On the other side of the ball last night, I mean, the big takeaway, how could it not be Cam Akers who went from popping his Achilles tendon in yeah. late July to looking like one of the best players in the field Monday evening. I mean, I just couldn't help, but again, think what I thought last season with Cam Akers, like this guy is basically running like Adrian Peterson, just like mm-hmm. with so much explosion, like so much ferocity. Like he seems like bigger than like other guys run like that, like Chris Carson. It just seems <clears> like he's like, so powerful and so angry. Uh, just a very, very, very dangerous runner. And with Sonny Michelle headed to free agency, Denny, are we all the way back in on Cam Akers for 2022? So uh, Cam Akers was one sideline reception, long touchdown sideline reception away from instantly becoming a, a top five fantasy pick next year. And, yeah, and that's, you know, uh, against the Cardinals, like, like if he, if he had had his head up and he connects with Stafford there and goes for a 70 yard touchdown, that's it. Like he's, he's locked in. And I think that's going to happen anyway. I think, I think it's clear how the team wants to use him. They love him as they God. should, I guess they clearly absolutely love him. And, and uh, an- another thing, and, and uh, we have a, a blurb, on this is that the the Rams seem very comfortable. Sean McVay seems comfortable establishing it, and they they've really gone run heavy. Pat Corain has written about this for I think over a month now in his column. Is that the Rams are way under uh, you know on, on pass rate over expectation is very low. Uh, they have a fifty two percent pass rate over uh, the past four games, which is among the lowest in the league. So uh, I think they would want you know, primarily for, for this offense to run through Cam Akers. Yeah, he's all the way back. He's all the way back. And it's just so awesome for 2022 that, like, he's getting this taste now because we're saying he's all the way back. He might not be all the way back still. I mean, he might be, like, 85 90%, but he's getting, like, something so rare where he's, like, getting this, like, small taste at the very end of the season. So, yeah. like, he kind of knows where he still maybe isn't all the way back yet but then gets, you know, the full six, seven months in the off season, then to continue rehabbing, to, to continue getting back to hundred percent health. So he's kind of like getting to have his cake and eat it too, where he's getting like live reps, the most valuable thing you could possibly get for a returning player. But then he gets to go right back into like rehab and like strengthening mode. And like, he'll have a ton of confidence in 2022, which is you know, huge when you're coming back from an ACL or an Achilles, like he'll, he'll have known he's already tested it like the biggest games of the year 
and this like we can have confidence. There's knowing that he's probably still not 100 percent of the way back, but he's already looking like this at what might be like 85, 90 percent, and it's hard to not just be so so excited for Cam Akers in 2022. I mean, he's already the leading rusher for the yeah, band. He, like, is. he, he is. Like he, it's, he got 17 carries, and and honestly, his 55 yards does not reflect. No, I know, I know. He had it doesn't. Um, you know, he was. And I know, you know, could have, would have, should have, uh, holding penalties that brought back at least two long runs, maybe three, that the sideline target that, that almost went for a long touchdown. He was very close to having a 200 yard, multiple touchdown uh, game. And it was kind of classic where this, like the old like cliche, it almost looked like he was playing like a different position than Sony Michelle, like just so much more like running backs, you know, don't always just pop off the screen and we know it's the replaceable <clears throat> position, quote unquote. Like Cam Akers runs like pop off the screen, like wow, like this guy is just so powerful. And yeah, he just looked like a totally different level of runner than Sonny Michelle. Yeah. And, you know, I, we're excited, folks. I do, yeah. And I'm so excited, I'll say this. And uh may, and I do get overly excited. So reel me in if if I need reeled in. I'll reel you in. Uh I I think that there will be a, a real argument for Cam Akers as the number one overall pick next year. I mean, that'll be an argument that is made. It won't be an argument that I will take. <laughs> Like, I don't think we should overthink Jonathan Taylor, who basically is like a special, special player, but, and also doesn't have, he still has way more tread on his tires than Derrick Henry. But yeah, I can't, I, people will make that argument. Maybe you will be one of them, Denny. Perhaps. People are going, people are going to make that argument that I yeah. actually do fully agree with that because we know the, the lead back for Sean McVay can be, it can be a league, a league winning position. So yes. we do know that. So that'll be part of the argument. Elsewhere around the league, we have Kirk Cousins trade chatter beginning in earnest with beat writer Chad Graff dot connecting his fit to the Steelers, Broncos, and Panthers. He's not actually reporting those teams, so I can express initial interest in them, but it makes a lot of sense from a dot connecting perspective. Danny, what do we think the odds are that Cousins is back in Minnesota in 2022? It sure seems like they want a clean break with their recent past with Mike Zimmer out. Spielman out and seemingly Kirk Cousins maybe going to follow. He's under contract for one more year and $35 million. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Chad Graff made uh, uh, the good point that if the Vikings can find a team to absorb the massive uh, hit, which is uh, 16 or 17% of the total projected salary cap for next year, they're only going to get a day three pick. Uh, you know, and maybe two, maybe two day three pick. So basically nothing, you know, and, and uh, that doesn't, that doesn't seem likely. I, you know, I, I would say more, more likely the Vikings are going to have to eat uh, as, as Chad Graff said, 20 to $25 million next year. If they want to get rid of cousins, I don't see them doing that. I think cousins is back. They could maybe do it. Maybe if they eat like a ton of the money, maybe they could actually get like a second or third round pick for him. I don't know. Like, we sometimes underestimate just how quarterback thirsty teams are, but how old? I mean, is he like 33 now? 33. He's 33. Yeah. I mean, you don't, no one's going to want to be giving Kirk Cousins like a two or three year extension. I feel I mean, I don't know, maybe they will. Teams are, I think they will. With quarterbacks. You know, I, I, you know, to me, the, the, the Broncos are in such a, um, such a good window. As far as everything else goes, uh, pass catchers, running backs, offensive line, it's all it all lines up. They're 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 going to be so quarterback hungry that they they could be the team that goes in on Cousins. I I I really I don't know if that's the right call. 
I'm not an NFL GM, as you know. Uh, but but I I, I I do think that they would be the, the most likely to, to do that if they can't land, obviously, like an Aaron Rodgers or something. I will say, so it was probably the best season, overall season of Kirk Cousins' career. He was very, very good. But all those teams that were mentioned, like the Broncos, the Steelers, the Panthers, it's really not that different of a situation that Kirk Cousins arrived to in Minnesota. Like, he was viewed – so 2017, you know, they made the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum, like a roster that was like as close as it gets. Like basically like the definition of a roster that was one player away, one piece away. We could just get that quarterback, that final piece. We're going to be a Super Bowl-type roster. Obviously, this was Kirk Cousins, and that never happened. And I just wonder at this point if teams are going to be under any illusion like that Kirk Cousins is ever going to be like the one player type of player because we know that he a long body of evidence that he doesn't seem to be that and it's a weird thing with Kirk Cousins maybe it's his bad luck but like a guy who the results never seem to match the stats do they we're getting real into analytics here Denny no and, no uh, you're, you're, it's, you're he's just you're such right. a strange player you're right I, I saw a meme a very funny meme I think I retweeted it uh the other day where it was said you know the Vikings have uh gone three and out on five straight drives but cousins uh, cousins passer rating is over 90 and and you know that's that's kind of the way it's gone in his time in minnesota but the the issue for me with with him leaving the vikings is what are the vikings going to do at quarterback they 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 have nothing they you know i mean now mike zimmer hated kellen mond more than any coach hated any other player in history uh um so maybe maybe they'll they'll pretend that mond is is an answer but when you have Justin Jefferson in his prime and Dalvin Cook probably in the waning years of his, you know, uh, you know, top tier NFL production, you have to get some. You have to have somebody. You have to have a legitimate quarterback, and they don't have one if they don't have Cousins. They got to trade Cousins. They got to trade Justin Jefferson for the number one overall pick in the oh, draft. You heard it here first, folks. Because <laughs> yeah, the the Vikings really should do a gut job, like. Their philosophy this year was, yes. we'll let Mike Zimmer yes. fix the defense because that's what he's good at. Right. Like We're short on defensive talent, but Mike Zimmer has always figured this out in the past. He'll figure it out. He just didn't figure it out because they don't have enough bodies. Like It's a roster that's just it's, – it's at the end. It's at the end of the line for this group right. of players. But I agree. That, that That's not realistic. Teams do that a lot more often in baseball. They do it a lot more often in basketball. It's a lot harder to do in football, a 53-team player. Like, you don't just kind of – you don't ever just blow up the roster. It, yeah, They're, if I may, and the Vikings, if you're listening, you know, consider this. Deal Dalvin Cook. Like, get get what you can get for Dalvin Cook right now. Because, absolutely. you know, he's – what, he has maybe one, two years left uh, of being, a, a like, a viable top-end uh, running back. Uh, so, some teams would love to have Dalvin Cook. They would love it. And and, uh, and you could get a lot for him, so consider it. Uh, in fantasy, though, I thought Roto Underworlds, Matt Kelly made an interesting point the other day. Is like, you'll be surprised at how little dynasty trade interest there is in Dalvin Cook because people are people are on to Cincinnati basically already when it comes to Dalvin Cook. Like, whatever, <laughs> he's old. Like, not going to trade for him. It's true. And yeah, the Vikings, are, they're in a just not good place. They're in not a good place. And, but I just look at the Steelers, like, the Steelers would have been better with Kirk Cousins this year, but like you, you wouldn't like look at the Steelers roster and think, oh yeah, they're going to the AFC Championship game with Kirk Cousins. Uh, 
He's got such bad mojo. I mean, I feel like he'll just he never be rationally evaluated ever again because he just oozes bad mojo. He's, you know, he it's hard to be like, rational about Kirk Cousins. Like you pull up his Pro Football Reference, and it says really, really good, but it's impossible to be rational about him because he's so triggering. He strikes me as the one guy that could get Mike Tomlin fired. I know. <laughs> it's so true. The only guy that would be quite a career accomplishment for Kirk Cousins. But I tweeted recently. The way I feel about Kirk Cousins, like people were shocked that I would compare Kirk Cousins to Tony Romo. Actually, very, very, very similar career outputs and statistics, like very similar. People were offended by that, but I feel like he's basically Tony Romo, except for none of his bad breaks were bad luck. They were like all self-inflicted. Like Tony Romo was like a genuinely snake-bitten quarterback. It's kind of like the wrong place at the wrong time, I think. Like he could have been a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Kirk Cousins – just seems like Mr. Shoot himself in the foot, basically. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that. I don't know what it, I, we can just, there's never going to be rational discourse on Kirk Cousins because he's not a rat. He defies rationality. He's just a strange, strange entity as a football player. Denny, real quick, you got us in some hot Twitter water Tuesday morning when you passed along the athletics, Mark Caboli's claim that all signs point to Mason Rudolph being the Steelers starting quarterback in 2022. I would say color me skeptical, but you can't say there's a 0% chance of this happening. So, cause as you said in the blurb and as, as is obvious, everyone keeps claiming the quarterback class is bad. I'm sure like mid March though, we're going to be like, Oh, there's actually three or four first round yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah. That's always how it works. The fragile market's awful as usual. The Steelers will be better positioned than some franchise franchises to land a true franchise quarterback via trade. If they want to, they're an organization. I feel like quarterbacks will want to play for like Russell Wilson would probably want to play for the Steelers. But what do you think the actual odds of Mason Rudolph being the Steelers quarterback in 2022 are? This is the Steelers. This is the the organization that promotes from within that keeps That's it true. In, that keep is it, that is very true. You know, they keep it in the family. Uh, they don't make splashy moves ever in any in the draft and free agency. Not you know they, they signed Derek Ebron. Come on, <laughs> right? They they go which was kind of shocking, but. Uh, you know, they, they, they go about their business and they look at, they signed uh, Rudolph to an extension, a one-year extension that goes through 2022. They, they did that at the beginning of 2021. So that I, I, I would say that there's, you know, I, I, I would say, honestly, there's an over 50% chance that Mason Rudolph is under center in week one for them. I'll take under on that. Maybe week one by the letter of the law, but I think he's priced to like the break glass in case of emergency option where like if everything fails, they'll be comfortable quote unquote with him starting. But I think the Steelers will be kind of like the classic, like bad draft class this year. They'll be one of the teams maybe willing to take that first round plunge, first round gamble on someone who's not, first of all, like the outgoing GM, Kevin Colbert's going to do the draft. Like he did that already with Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio in 2004. You know, like had kind of, People were uncertain about Ben Roethlisberger because he played in the MAC. You never know what's going on. Like Kevin Colbert maybe has faith in his ability to like identify a quarterback yeah. prospect like that. And they're the kind of team that really should. They're picking like 20th or 21st. They maybe should just take a gamble at quarterback. It's still a pretty decent overall roster, except for that uh, offensive line. Yikes. So one thing that Tomlin said that kind of went under the radar, and I, I think I think shouldn't. I think we should kind of keep this in the back of our minds this off season. Uh, he, he had his end of season press conference on Tuesday 
And he said that, quote, quarterback mo- mobility is valued. Yeah, and you're right. You, I saw you highlight that in the blurb this morning. I, That's, that was very interesting that that did slip under the radar. You know, uh, Mason Rudolph is not that. Whatever he is, no. he is not a, a mobile. And 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 don't don't get me wrong. Don't mistake, you know, just for the folks out there, don't mistake me thinking Mason Rudolph has a shot to start as as a as a uh, you know advocating for Mason Rudolph. He's terrible. He's not good. You think like, that's fine? He's he he wouldn't he wouldn't get. I don't know. He would be benched within three weeks. So that, <laughs> that's true. That, that, that's not what I'm saying. But you got benched for Duck Hodges, man. D- Duck Hodges, who you know, by the way, is selling insurance down the street for. I mean, for me. He's really he actually is a really good broker. He, I've loved working with him. He's solid. He's solid. Uh, uh, but okay. So, so would, would the Steelers uh, trade for a mobile quarterback or would they sign someone? Maybe uh, Cam Newton will be out there. I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't think they'll be going down the Cam Newton route, but it's, it's sad. Like I wanted Cam. I'm like, maybe his arms a oh. little bit healed this year. <laughs> it was no, not. His, his arm is his arm may be worse than Roethlisberger. You know, he's basically like Sandy Koufax at this point. Like whatever happened in there is not solvable, not fixable. There's no surgery on earth. That's going to bring back Cam Newton's shoulder, which is insane because Cam Newton's deep ball back in the day yes. was like the the deep ball in the NFL. So it's a shame. But you talk about yeah. a mobile quarterback, by the way, Kirk Cousins, man, got to get him in there to Pittsburgh. They're going to want that Kirk Cousins mobility. Could we could we possibly get? And this is conjecture, and I have no basis for saying this, but it's the off. It's pretty much the fantasy offseason. So Tyler Huntley to Pittsburgh. I'm just saying. I would nah. There's no way because the divisional round, the divisional aspect. I know that, yeah. that is Tyler Huntley would be. He will be like a fascinating. I feel like the Ravens though just will hold on to him for dear life, even if they could get like a second round pick for him. That it just makes too much sense. He's just too valuable to them. He'd be more valuable almost than whoever they. Even if Lamar Jackson bounces back and starts all 17 games next season. Like I feel like they'll they'll give that one more year with Tyler Huntley and then maybe trade him. But yeah. I just the way things went so haywire this year. Not that they're gonna like bench Lamar Jackson for performance, just after all the injury issues this year, every level of their offense. I think they'll probably view Tyler Huntley as too valuable to trade. But probably. yeah, it wouldn't be to Pittsburgh. Teams just don't do that. They just no, don't no. they just don't do that. Yeah, that that would that was my one hang up with that yeah. thought process was like are they really gonna want to face you know, the guy they traded uh, to, but, but if this, I don't know, man, if the Steelers wanted to pay up for him, it'd be hard for an analytically driven team like the Ravens. It's know. true. But yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Denny. Not going to happen. Dennis. All right. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NFL playoffs are here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. We're on to the division around, and the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet has you covered with Sunday Night 7, giving you a chance to win $1 million. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor for more information. Danny, all I have written here on the, the rubric, the syllabus, the syllabus, mm-hmm. the outline, whatever you want to call it, I just wrote Denny, all caps, Denny, zero RB. Mm-hmm. We talked about this on our Twitter spaces Monday with Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. It's kind of a stalemate, but n- none of us are zero RB legends, soothsayers, truth tellers like you are. <laughs> it's where, where are we at with zero RB right now right. after 2021? You know, you were Derek Henry was hurt. Christian McCaffrey was hurt, but maybe like a little more stability than usual. Where are we at with zero RB right now? We are, we're evaluating. And, and I, I do, I intend to, to take a really very close look into how zero RB played out this season. I I have some kind of initial findings here and this is, this is not the best way to judge a strategy overall, but I think it is a good way this is a good way to zoom out and look at a certain approach to how to build a a fantasy team. And that is what I've done here is to take the average draft positions of the, of the top 12 wide receivers and top top 12 running backs. (laughs) I've had a few of those moments today. (laughs) So wide receiver ones and RB ones and, and see, you know, uh, see what that gives you. So um, if you add up the ADPs of, of all 12 receivers of, of the top 12 receivers in fantasy this season, uh, you, you get an ADP of 62.2, which averages out to the second pick of the fifth round. That's the, that's the kind of the average ADP of a, of a wide receiver one. Now Hunter Renfro had a major impact on that as the wide receiver 11 overall this season in PPR. We only talk about PPR, the only <laughs> legitimate scoring format. And so Renfro crushes the average, but I think one takeaway is that Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill were the only wide receiver, wide receiver ones drafted as, as such who delivered. That's it. That's the list. So um, that that's the takeaway from receivers. Now, as far as running backs go, uh, you add them up, you get an ADP of 47.7. That's the, uh, the average ninth pick in the third round. So we're talking about like a late third rounder. Uh, Cordero uh, Patterson and James Conner crushed that average as Renfro did with receivers. Um, but here's here's the takeaway. Eight of 12 running backs who finished as RB1s were drafted as RB1s. So it, 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 say, it I, felt very, very stable at the top. This year. Even though even the very top, CMC and Derrick Henry got hurt. And even though Alvin Kamara was underachieved, Zeke underachieved, Saquon was bad. You had guys like Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, even Chubb, Dalvin Cook, kind of all largely performing in line with expectations. And it was kind of like a weirdly stable year. And 
something I was talking about anecdotally on our Twitter spaces Monday is that I feel like maybe, so just in general in the NFL, I think injuries have been declining kind of the past half decade. It kind of felt like, so I've been blurbing for Roto World NBC since 2011. And it felt like kind of like 2013 to 15, like injuries reached like a peak and like an absolute zenith in the NFL or like, there was just every week I, I do I do a Sunday recap column and every week I just took it for granted there would be like some starting running back out for the season I could lead my column with and like talk about like well here's like the plug and play RB one you're gonna have but I felt like it, I guess maybe credit to the NFL some of the initiatives to reduce injuries I feel like maybe actually been working and like especially running back you know the most injured position where by definition you're getting hit every time you have the ball there's still a lot of running back it seems like it seems like at least stuff like ACLs and stuff have really declined at running back. And I thought like the second half of this season, so now you could, you, another thing you could just take for granted would like almost every week, like, all right, there's going to be like a top, at least an RB2 become available on the waiver wire this week. Someone will get hurt. I'll have fab to you. I have a hole at running back. I'll be able to get an RB2 off the waiver wire this week. It seemed like the second half of this season, I just like didn't happen. Like Elijah Mitchell was like the big splash earlier in the season. And then like maybe into like Rashad Penny. It seemed like they're just, it was such slim pickings on the waiver wire every week. And I just feel like maybe that could be kind of like an under the radar factor changing the calculus of zero RB just that injuries have gone down. But this is purely anecdotal. I have no data to back this up. No, but there's something I have been noticing with running back in zero RB. I'd be interested to look into the uh, the injuries more. I, I I do have to say though, and and anybody who plays fantasy and and played in the in the fantasy playoffs knows that the end of season running back uh, point totals were far different, vastly different than the season long. And, and I'll, I'll just read, read some. So since we, uh, from week 15 to 18, Rashad Penny was the RB one overall. And by a good margin, that's the, this chalk. I mean, De- on, Devin, I that's going to happen. Devin Singletary, the RB two uh, you have uh, James Connor as RB eight. I don't know if he counts though. Uh, Rex Burkhead was the RB nine naturally. Sony Michelle, RB10, Deontay Foreman, RB11. Uh, you have uh, Justin Jackson in there as a top 20. You have Daryl Williams. You have Duke Johnson as a top 20. So I, I will say that stashing running backs and looking ahead, uh, getting Rashad Penny before his breakout, well, that, that was a season winner. I mean, that, that was. was, you know, it, it, tru- it truly was like looking ahead and, 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 and getting Justin Jackson for that big, that one big game he had against Houston. That was, that was a huge help toward, uh, you know, toward a championship. Deontay Foreman, Deontay Foreman was not really in the discussion when they, when they, when the Titans signed Adrian Peterson after Derrick Henry's injury, Deontay Foreman was an afterthought. It was like, well, yeah, pick him up. Maybe, if you need running back help, you pick them up and P and, and folks did. And it, and it really paid off down the stretch. So I, I do think there's, there's an argument to be made for, for looking at running back depth charts and making an informed decision. Can this guy take over this backfield? And in, in a lot of those cases, yes, the answer was, was always, yes, they could. You just laid waste to my running back injuries thing, but it was weird. A lot of those were not like, it was kind of almost meeting in the middle of the two points room because like, there were injuries down there, guys getting rested down the strip, but it, not the ACL stuff was like definitely on the decline. Yes. It's been on the, and like, so it's weird, but yeah, by the end of the year, you are still, I guess you kind of highlighted, we're still getting into like mash unit territory by the end of the year, I guess. And uh, yeah, Rashad Penny, I mean, Rashad Penny literally winning leagues. I mean, come on. Right. Right. And, and um, 
you know, and this is something I, I do, I want to do more research into, and I will, uh, in the, in the doldrums of the off season is, is being able to identify guys who have a path to, you know, volume, not league winning volume, but, but, but volume, a guy like Devin Singletary, who was so disappointing last year and for the first half of this season, uh, always, always had a path and his path was if the, if the bills fate, you know, phased out Zach, Zach Moss, or if Zach Moss got hurt, then it's Singletary's backfield. Like he gets all the touches and that happened. So it, it, uh, and, and another thing while we're on Singletary, Sean Siegel of Rotoviz pointed out all season that, 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 that Singletary's peripheral numbers, his yards before contact, his yards after contact were elite. We're He's always been the- so much better than Zach Moss. It yes. never made any sense whatsoever. We're almost off the charts. Yeah. So he 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 actually proved Singletary proved himself to be like a legit NFL running back, starting running back before before he went off statistically before the fantasy stuff happened. So paying attention to that stuff, uh, you know, can can really really strengthen your roster. I drafted Devin Singletary for years, and I, I'll let you guess if I actually had him at the end of the season. The answer was no. I finally had given up the ghost. I'm like, they yeah. just don't like him. They think Zach Moss is good for some reason. So that was another anecdotal trend, a trend for which there actually is some data. I think part of those haywire late season numbers, it wasn't so much because of injury. It was because of kind of like that mid-season league-wide shift to going more run heavy. And like cutting down, the Bills cut down in a committee, but like the Rams went more run heavy with Sonny Michelle. Uh, the Texans went absolutely crazy running the ball late yeah. in the year. Some of that was a little because of injury, but to that also was like another trend to keep an eye on where I think we've been kind of talking about all season. It seems like we've reached the peak of the passing explosion or maybe now like the, the downslope. It's not going to like, it's not like it's going to crater or anything like that, but it does seem like the, the run rate league wide is probably going to continue to go up. I think like another season or two and it all, the, the effects that will have on zero RB are going to be fascinating. Yeah, it's it's something I'm I'm really looking forward to to getting into. Uh, this all, I don't know if you remember, but last off season I I had a, a crisis of faith with zero RB, and and I actually wrote wrote a wrote a pretty lengthy piece for for the site uh, about you know recent recent seasons like can you can you go you know third fourth fifth sixth round wide receivers like. Why, why can't this be viable? And uh, I, I did kind of rebut that with talking to Sean Siegel and, and publishing a, a piece on uh, you know, eviscerating my own arguments, which is an interesting strategy by me. But uh, um, I do think that there's a, a lot to parse and, and a lot to consider for you know 2022. Yeah, things are changing. That's one, my final anecdotal point. Shocking, I'm going to make another anecdotal point. But is that it, CRB is going to be affected by wide receiver too because – with, with the increased run rates, the declining passing like we saw from teams like the Chiefs, you know, some of our, our some of our best passing offenses, like it, the, the wide receiver depth for the first time in a long time felt depleted. But mm-hmm. I always make the point like we had several years where like there wasn't even much difference between like the wide receiver 20 and the wide receiver 36, and like in a good way. Like it was just there was just so much wide receiver two, three depth at receiver. By the end of 2021, that was not the case. Like right. we were just like throwing darts a lot of time like the 24 to 36 range like yeah jerry judy sure like rashad bateman i guess was a wide receiver three this week like the wide receiver depth was just decimated 
by the end of the season. And so, yeah, I just feel like there's maybe some tectonic forces going on. With, this, with the way teams are playing offense right now, that could shake up our approaches. Danny, I wasn't expecting this these first few parts of the show to be so long before we got to this final segment bit. So we'll keep it quick, but just who was this? We're going to have a long preview on the division round on Thursday with you, me, John and Matt, but let's just go game by game real quick. Who, this is such a lame bit, but like who is the one X factor beginning for each game, beginning with Bengals Titans. Who's the X factor for Bengals Titans in the division round? Danny? I think it's, I actually, it's the aforementioned Deontay Foreman. So they can be obvious answers too. Like they can be obvious. Deontay's not, I thought you were saying someone different, Danny. I thought you were saying a different Titans running back as the X factor for the divisional round. Is, uh, is Derrick Henry for sure? He's, it's not for sure, but I think that everyone, I think it's been trending that way. So okay. you, the X factor is going to be who, who's going to be the Right. Team. I mean, yeah. Well, yes, it would be whoever, whoever lines up in the backfield. And obviously Derrick Henry is is one of the running backs who matter very much. You've heard of Derrick Henry before. In the NFL. I, I think, you know, the team did not change the way it operated when no. Henry was out. You know, they, they continued to lean heavily on the run pretty much in any game script, even when, when they fell behind. So they're they're ready and willing to just annihilate people on the ground if they can. And I think the Bengals can be annihilated on the ground. Josh Jacobs had a really nice game uh last week and and it could have been it could have been much bigger if the Raiders hadn't had to go past heavy so much in the second half so uh, I think that the Bengals are a vulnerable team that can be run on yeah I think the Titans backfield will be like the position group X factor and as we'll talk about on Thursday I think something we kind of talk about every week with the Bengals is that they're the overall X factor for the game that will we'll, the Bengals try to put the pedal to the metal and lean in to their truly special passing game talent, or will they, will they give in to the temptation to like meet the Titans in the mud? Basically. We talked about this on our wildcat re- recap show. We're like, it's kind of hard to believe the Bengals. just seem like if, if you want to play that kind of game, they're going to gladly play it with you and they need to resist that urge and they need to open up their passing attack against the Titans. Yeah. Uh, 49ers Packers. Did he, I, I put, I, can Jimmy Garoppolo stay out of the running games way? Is my X factor for this game. What what is your X factor for 49ers and the Packers? Yeah, I mean it's it's Garoppolo. Like, you know, it, it, can he avoid the backbreaking mistake? Also, he he wanted to make the backbreaking mistake against the Cowboys. He, he desperately tried. tried. He tried, he tried hard. hard. You you have to give it to him. You know, you do. He, he yeah, he tried. He left it all out on the field. And uh, and he and he couldn't. He couldn't give it away. Uh, my you know, but I, I go with Garoppolo here because. Green Bay's pass defense has not been great. It hasn't been great. And uh, Jair Alexander is probably, you know, is a game time call. Most likely Matt LaFleur said that he'll try to practice this week, which doesn't, you know, it doesn't bode well, I think, yeah. for his availability. I think that the, the Packers secondary, I don't think, the Packers secondary by all measurements has been exploitable. And if if Jimmy G can, you know, can get to them a little bit and then let the Niners run game take over, I think it's a huge advantage for the Niners. And the Packers can also be run on. They allowed almost five yards per carry, but teams never got to run on them because they were always playing from behind. Yeah. Like they just couldn't run. So like if Jimmy can just avoid turnovers, maybe the 49ers can even play out. Maybe they won't even have to take advantage of the Packers' recent pass game deficiencies, and they can play the run-heavy offense they want if their quarterback just does not put them behind the eight ball. 
Yeah, you you mentioned actually. Yeah, I I, I meant to uh, to highlight the the Packers are also vulnerable against the run over this the, over the season's final six weeks. Six. This is a six week sample. Uh, only the Lions gave up a higher rushing EPA than the Packers. So they, yeah, wow, they they can be had by a by a run heavy team. And the um, have we ever seen Kyle Shanahan uh, 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 more? emboldened than he is right now to just no. establish it no yeah it's true he's won the argument right now he he is drunk with power yeah. except for when it's like third down and they can like get a yard then he like wants to throw for some reason uh, yeah that is he's yeah. a strange guy rams bucks who is the one x factor only one denny who is the one x factor for rams rams bucks uh, uh it's acres i was gonna say i feel like it has to be acres i could also make the argument for odell beckham because you know it's still like the best way to move the ball against the Bucks, even though the run defense is kind of more reputation right now. Like, can Odell Beckham like take these free yards that kind of exist opposite Cooper Cup right now? Yeah. I think I think you're right. It's probably it's Cam Cam Akers is basically like screaming like I am the X factor on Monday night, like just making yes. it blatantly obvious. Yes, and I I actually don't think it matters that Tampa's rush defense is strong. I think that the Ram, the Rams are just hell bent on hiding Matthew Stafford a little bit, uh, you know, making sure he doesn't make those horrific mistakes that we've seen this season and getting acres established. And then finally, I think there's maybe kind of an obvious one for Bill's chiefs, but who is the X factor for Bill's chiefs, man? You can say the line, by the way, if you want to, uh, the, the, the line, uh, Jared McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yes, yes. We'll go. We'll go with McKinnon. Ah, uh, yeah. Why not? Look, has there been a running back in the Mahomes era that's looked as good as McKinnon did? The other no, night? no, they're actually. Well, yeah, I mean, the Mahomes era. He played. Did he play one year with Kareem Hunt? I mean, I think he did. Kareem oh, uh, Hunt probably You're did, right. but post Kareem Hunt, I mean, no. Yeah. Damian Williams kind of did in that playoff run, the Super Bowl winning run, sort of. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, Jerry McKinnon was the best anyone had looked since at least the say Damian Williams in the playoffs that year. And yeah, man, what what a wild, weird development. <laughs> yes. It almost looks like they have to feature him. Like even if CEH is back, like how could you feature CEH over what you saw from Jarek McKinnon in the wild? Uh, uh, yes. How? I, I, I don't. And I'm, I'm actually terrified that the answer is that the, the chiefs are going to say, well, CEH is back. So he's our guy. Like, they probably are going to do that. It just seems like they're, they're in it to the bitter end with that guy. I feel like. What is the playoffs? So the Bills, they didn't bitter end with Cole Beasley last week. They actually phased out Cole Beasley. Maybe the Chiefs will do something similar, and they won't go to the bitter end with the player who just wasn't getting it done. Yeah, the the thing thing you notice – sorry to interrupt, but the thing you notice about the KC backfield is that everybody is productive when they get a full workload except for the one guy who they want to be productive. Yeah, man. And boy, Daryl Williams was not – he didn't get a full workload Sunday night, but – his nope. one touch was a fumble, and then he got disappeared. And that was yes. Yes, rather was. sad in DFS, I might argue. Uh, <laughs> yes. Rather sad. Um, I don't know. We didn't, really, we didn't really nail down the X factors there, but we have all day Thursday to do that. Let's do Get it. Get together yeah. with Matt, John, Denny, and I. We'll be breaking down the entire divisional round. Hope you liked our spin through today's news. Hope check out Denny's. Your wild card preview was excellent. That was really, really good Thank stuff. You. Your divisional round preview going up what Wednesday, Denny? Wednesday evening. Yep. Wednesday evening. Really, really good stuff. Please check that out. And please listen to us on Thursday. Stay with us on the site all week as we preview 
the second round of the playoffs and all the latest news, so on and so forth. I'm just going to keep talking and not in the show. No, the show's over. Um, for Denny, I'm Pat. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.